Hello, preceptors and podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of Preceptor Practice, the CE Impact podcast dedicated to preceptors and their unique role in pharmacy education. We all know that burnout in healthcare isn't new, but it is a topic we can no longer ignore in light of the current public health crisis. And it's not just affecting pharmacists and pharmacy staff. Consider the many challenges that students have experienced beyond just the typical stress of pharmacy school. Canceled rotations, virtual rotations, lost jobs, and family challenges that might include health challenges as well. While giving back to the profession through precepting sounds noble, it can often be seen as just one more challenge on a long list now more than ever. Tune into this episode to explore how to better balance work, life, and teaching in a way that is fulfilling for both you and your students. Today, I'm happy to welcome Jennifer Chang as our guest host. She's a clinical associate professor and director of preceptor development at the University of Washington School of Pharmacy. She's joined by Caitlin Bloomquist, director of advising and student success at the college, as well as Dr. Todd Winkler, a clinical pharmacist and preceptor practicing in a family and general medicine practice clinic at Swedish Medical Center. Let's listen in. everyone. We just want to thank you so much for joining us today for our podcast titled Taking Care of Yourself and Your Students. My name is Jennifer Chang. I am a clinical associate professor at the University of Washington School of Pharmacy. I teach in our PharmD curriculum and also serve as the director of preceptive development for our school. So I get the special privilege of working very closely not only with our students, but also with our preceptors. Today, I'm super excited because I've invited two very special guests whose professional roles are very closely connected to the topic that we'll be discussing today. And so before we get started, I wanted to invite them to quickly introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about them and also what they do. Caitlin, do you wanna start? Sure. So my name is Caitlin Bloomquist. I'm the Director of Advising and Student Success at the University of Washington School of Pharmacy. And as the title implies, my role is really to support the holistic success of our PharmD students. That's academics, well-being, personal well-being, um, and professional development. Um, I lead our advising team, which is within our student affairs unit. So glad to be here. And my name is Todd Winkler, and I am a practicing pharmacist part of this uh, podcast. I have had the privilege of precepting students in various uh, settings over the last 20 years, um, including the retail, in the hospital, and ambulatory care pharmacy. I've also been involved with their IPPE and APP, as well as their residency levels. So all gamuts. Yeah, thank you both so much. I hope that our audience can see we kind of all wear different hats, but somehow our roles all uh, relate to well-being and the topic that we're discussing today. So I think I can speak for all of us when I say that this topic is very near and dear to all of our hearts, right? Not just because of our professional roles, but more importantly, I think our it's, it has been so much of my personal journey and also experience. 
And so for me personally, I do have to say I have noticed this distinct paradigm shift in just more people wanting and talking about well-being and mental health and the impact right on uh, on their overall health and the syndrome of burnout uh, in, in their professional job and journey. So to kick us off in our discussion today, I thought we could start by addressing the why. Why is burnout becoming such an important topic of discussion? Is this something new or has it always been there? So I wanted to start with asking Caitlin in your role and what are your thoughts about how this topic has becoming more important even more recently, especially in your work with students? Yeah, thanks, Jennifer. So there really was a large body of evidence, even before the pandemic, about really an increase in the number and, and the intensity of stressors affecting health science students, including specifically pharmacy students. Um, some of those stressors include academic overload, pressure to succeed, um, and competition. There's more and more competition for jobs, residencies, um, even leadership positions while still in pharmacy school. Um, in addition, the overall academic culture in pharmacy schools is not always the most conducive to student mental health and well-being, in that it can be a culture of always saying yes, always taking on more, and that relates back to the sense of competition that some students feel. Um, and it's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think we've all seen that too much sense of competition um, and comparing yourself to others can have some very negative outcomes. So that's even not considering COVID-19. During the pandemic, some of the additional stressors that we've seen in our students at the University of Washington include pressure to work more and more hours at internships with increased demand due to COVID, on the flip side, some students losing jobs because of social distancing guidelines, they couldn't have as many people in a, an actual physical space or, or changing priorities at their employers, um, and then lost income for those students. Something that I think many people listening can probably relate to, increased caregiving responsibilities. Students are parents, some students are caring for their parents or other elders. Um, and then finally, having to put one's own health at the, on the back burner sometimes or prioritize the health of patients and public health, for some students, it was the first time that they really had to kind of grapple with what does it truly mean to be in a health profession. Um, and some of our students, that made them kind of question, is pharmacy truly the right field for me? Um, so that led to maybe a little bit of existential uh, doubt for some of our students. So I think it's really important that we talk about student well-being in this conversation because, of course, students are the next generation of our community pharmacists and our preceptors um, and what they're experiencing while they're still in school, both in the classroom and on rotation and, and in everything else they're doing that's what they're gonna bring with them into practice, into precepting. So really appreciate the chance to share a few insights about our students. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I feel like it's so important to understand, to have that empathy of what students may be going through. So thank you so much for sharing from the student lens. 
And for me, I think through my work with our preceptors who work across in different practice settings, what I've noticed is just an increasing trend of burnout due to just additional workplace stress that's being placed on them. So some of the factors that are contributing to this chronic workplace stress may include things that I've seen in my conversation and my relationship with them. They've shared about just the changes in staffing and scheduling models that may have added to the stress, uh, the team or leadership culture or dynamic or communication or lack of, <laughs> and system or technology changes. I think we can all attest to how stressful it could be, right, when you're going through uh, system or technology implementations and projects. So I think um, we can understand that with the, all these additional stressors that's been placed upon our frontline preceptors, inevitably they're going to have that additional um, level of workplace stress and leading to burnout. And we know through reports and even studies that have looked at um, burnout in healthcare professionals, they have reported just this high, high level of burnout across healthcare professionals, including pharmacists. So keeping in mind that burnout is by definition in, is characterized by people that are experiencing three very distinct symptoms. So this could include feeling of emotional exhaustion, just being depleted completely emotionally and nothing else to give. People may also feel very disconnected from their job and that there's a sense of negativity towards their job or their professional role. And then finally, because of those feelings, they're just not effective, right? They're not, um, they not seeing or sensing any accomplishment uh, in their job. So all these things added together, unfortunately, translate to a cost that we have seen in which there's, there may be a reduced job performance because of the high turnover or people just not being able to get to work anymore because of that emotional disconnect or exhaustion. All the way, the cost may be real cost that translates from the fact that you're making errors, right? So medical errors, and then of course, health of the healthcare professionals that may even lead to clinician suicide. So this low grade change, you know, level of impact to significant and serious impact in their everyday work. So I guess for me to answer this question of why is this becoming um, a big topic or a hot topic, I would say that it's not, I don't think it's new. I think it's always been there and just more prevalent than ever. I do think that it's a topic that we can no longer ignore, right? Especially, uh, in light of the current public health crisis. Um, so that's kind of what I've observed uh, in my relationship with uh, the preceptors. And so I'm, um, I'm interested to hear from Todd's perspective as a frontline clinician, what are your thoughts about why burnout is becoming such a big topic or an important topic? Thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, I believe that the potential for burnout has always been there. It's always been part of our profession, even since the inception of a medication specialist. I believe that um, it's tied to that rapidly moving and learning new information, whether it's medications or the disease states and 
uh, therapies that are related to those medications and such back and forth. It's constantly moving, so you always have to be learning. You always are, are putting yourself into that category of uh, needing to be up front and, and on top of the new information coming at you. But I also believe that it really does come to this intricately tied to your self-imposed expectations of your own profession and what you expect out of yourself. I believe that all of us have that level of expectations within ourselves to be the best, to be the best version of ourselves. And with that being said, even and currently, the buzzword of operating at the top of our license is very important these days. And that comes with just showing up each day and being at the top all the time, expecting ourselves to be there. Um, and then as well, just kind of simply keeping current and marketable as your own profession changes, uh, the profession around you changes, and to be in conjunction with each other. I think that's, that is that expectation within itself to be that. So yeah, I agree. Burnout is not new. It's been there. Um, but our current, like you're saying, we no longer can ignore that because well-being has been so important these last number of years. Thank you, Todd. And I think as we're thinking about, wow, you know, well-being is important because we need it <laughs> in our line of work and recognizing that being a pharmacist in of itself is a full-time job and more, more than that, it's totally an overflowing uh, plate, right? of responsibilities and expectations externally and internally, just as what you've described. So I'm curious, here's the big question. So given that you already have a, a full plate, why would you wanna even take on additional responsibility of, you know, in the space of precepting? Things that you probably don't need to, right? If, um, because it is a choice. So doesn't the question is, doesn't precepting add to the stress and to the potential of burnout? So Todd, what are your thoughts? Yeah, thank you. So I don't believe it does. I believe that the, being a preceptor provides a way to impact a student's career that is both unique and rewarding. As a preceptor, I absolutely enjoy being a preceptor. I always have. And I always promote it to the new students and they're graduating in their last year. Um, that's something that you really can give back to your profession with very little energy into that. So, and it, for good, three good reasons. First, it really allows us to focus on the quality of what we're doing rather than just the quantity of what we're doing. Um, also, it allows for me, my core value of being an example for students, that precepting gives me that uh, opportunity to be the example for students with what I'm doing and, um, and showing them my own enjoyment of the profession that I love. And then also the third being, I can build relationships with these students knowing that they're going to be my coworkers and potentially years to come, I can go back and we can discuss and talk about 
the experience as student preceptor. Now they are preceptors and the students that they are acting. It's, it's really enjoyable. You can continue to roll that ball of experience around. It's really fun. That's great, Todd. And I can tell you're really passionate about precepting and clearly get a lot out of it. So I'm wondering, how do you find balance between striving to be a great preceptor and your work duties, as well as maintaining your own well-being in the midst of everything going on? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's a combination of looking at what I do while I'm at work, knowing that my duties are that which is bringing those students in as their rotations. So they're focusing on during that short time, whether it's four or six weeks, on what I am doing in this role, whatever that is, whether it's the retail inpatient or ambulatory care, they're here to see what I do. So integrating them into that and those roles, now you are not only getting the work that you're responsible for done, but you also have a helping hand in that role. So, and they go through their steps as, uh, like we said, we, we teach towards that patient care process, um, the collect, the assess, the plan, et cetera, working towards that. We can then um, take on the role of instruction through the modeling, then the coaching, and finally facilitating so they can learn those roles. So it's no longer a, a, a duty to be a preceptor. It's a joy to be a preceptor. And you can add to their professional game. It's just super in that sense. And to speak to what you were saying is how do I find balance behind that? Um, my own wellness, I keep that up by, and I promote this also to the students, there is an end to the day. There is an end to the day. When you are clocking out for the day or when you are leaving for the day, there's a, a whole life outside of work to really enjoy as well. So not to take your home, work home with you every day. I know that there are times that you have to and you're responsible for those times. But literally, it does not need to be every day. And that's really key to keeping my own wellness. And one other question for you, Todd. What best practice recommendations do you have for preceptors in community practice, in health system practice, to balance work and precepting and life and life's administration, all the many directions that we're all pulled in? Best practice? is being very, very intentional with your own pleasure, I guess, outside of work. Being intentional and taking that time and allowing yourself, giving yourself the authority to take the time to enjoy what brings you joy outside of work. I also recognize work as joy and knowing that I'm serving in a serving capacity, that's part of my core values. And I generally hear the same thread through student conversations. We all are on that service panel. We all want to be in this profession because we like to serve. So having that as a core, enjoying the work, but then being intentional with our pleasure outside of work and taking a hold of that. 
and to use that as and to say to as an example my own personal thing is I ride a bike to work so that exercise is very important to me and during that commute however the ride may be I know I'm getting that exercise in and it's a before and after work so it really doesn't take a lot of time away from the family and it allows me to clear my head before and after work so when I get home I'm home and when I'm getting to work I'm at work so it's a very big balance for me in that wellness category. I love what you said Todd about being intentional about things outside of work that you enjoy right um for me, you know, a small gesture of trying to bring, being intentional about things that I know will bring me higher level of well-being. Ever since my kids were little, I know that, you know, I need to carve out time for myself before I get to work. And that may require me to get up earlier and have a morning time on my own so I can have that reflection time and journaling. And that is really a big part of what I enjoy and align with my core values. And so recently I've noticed that in addition to that, I really crave and need additional exercise and physical activity so that it would give me higher level of energy. But I just did not know how to fit it into my, my routine and my schedule. And someone reminded me that you don't have to find additional time, like trying to leverage what you already have, what routines you already have and bring intentionally bringing additional things in within that schedule. So what I've done recently is actually started to include 10 to 15 minutes of abdominal exercise, you know, through watching a video as part of my morning routine. So I don't need to try to find other times in the afternoon or later in the evening when I'm super tired, but rather bringing some of those intentional exercises in the morning that have always been um, my routine for many, many years. And I have to say it's been, you know, working out great. So I love that. How about you, Caitlin? Any small things that you bring in that helps you being intentional about things that promote your own well-being? Yeah, I think for me, two things I've been doing for a number of years now actually is mindfulness meditation and yoga. And for me, I found that doing it in a group format is the most helpful. I know there's a million wonderful apps and there's YouTube videos, but there's added benefit for me at least, to doing something in sort of a group setting and something that's live. It's um, used to be in person, but it's been virtual for a while and it's still great. Um, so I have a weekly yoga class and a weekly meditation class. The meditation one is actually during my work day. I know that not everyone can make that work, but you know, I block out that time, communicated to my supervisor about that and kind of try to keep it as protected time. That doesn't always work, but I make an effort. And for me, there's both the social aspect that's nice. There's the added accountability with it being a group, uh, the group structure and just the more greater structure period. It's never sort of the afterthought at the end of the day. Like Jennifer was saying, when I'm tired and I could either turn on the TV or I could meditate, what am I gonna choose? Instead, there's this every single week on my calendar, this group mindfulness meditation or yoga and doing that as part of my routine, just built into my schedule, has been really, really positive. And one thing I've increasingly really recognized is even if you don't have an hour or half an hour, if you have 
five minutes, if you have 30 seconds, there are mindfulness practices that we can do while we're going on a walk. You can be mindful and pay attention to your surroundings, right? There's, there's all kinds of ways that we can incorporate mindfulness that don't really require much time or energy, but that will actually have a lot of benefits, at least in my experience. So that's, that's kind of my big focus for recharging myself. Well, thank you both for sharing. And I think as we are doing these practices, one thing to keep in mind is to share these with our students so they can see us model. And um, just like tying back to what Todd said earlier, when they come on rotation with us, they wanna see what you do. And hopefully that includes how you integrate well-being practices into your routine, into your professional roles. So. Thank you so much. Thank you both for joining us today. And as we're wrapping up our discussion today, I hope to leave our audience with one challenge as a key takeaway. So if we could challenge you to think about and reflect on what we talked about through our short discussion today, and maybe there were some ideas and thoughts that are kind of floating around your mind about your own well-being, uh, our hope and challenge for you uh, to help you make that commitment is to maybe write a letter or an email to yourself and jot down some of your convictions, the learnings, and maybe a plan for you to make a change in order to promote your personal well-being. So what change do you think is important to your well-being that you would like to make? And how do you plan to make that change a reality? So with that, we just wanna thank you again for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate your attention and your participation uh, through this podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Precept to Practice. Want to learn more on today's topic? We've got a couple of additional resources for you. First, take our course, It's Time to be Thriving, starting with the whole you. Designed for preceptors, this course will help you transition your mindset from a survival mentality to experiencing a thriving pharmacy career and promoting a culture of well-being through precepting. Check out the second course, Feeling the Burn, the Impact of Burnout in the Pharmacy Profession. This course explores the research on causes, risk factors, and prevention of burnout in order to support you in becoming more effective in your work. And lastly, are you thinking that you no longer have time to precept in our new world? I get it. But we also know that students can be a great asset and contribute in significant ways when provided the right amount of structure, guidance, and autonomy. Check out the course Managing Time as a Preceptor for tools to optimize the student's role in your practice. Don't forget to join the Preceptor Academy within the Pharmacy Network to engage with other preceptors on topics that matter most to you as a teacher and mentor. And check out the show notes for details on all of the resources I've just shared. Thanks again for joining today. We'll see you next month on Precept to Practice.